0: Welcome to Beyond Clean with Jim, a podcast that brings to you on your schedule and your environment, current and relative conversations on subjects that impact you, the individuals in the cleaning industry who save lives every day. Beyond Clean with Jim is streaming to you through Podbeam from their studios inside Jim Supply in Central Florida. From their six locations, Jim Supply has been improving lives with Clean supplies since 1930. Check out our options today for education, product, and equipment at gymsupply.net. Check out the seven pillars of the gym difference. At gym, we are not just another vendor, we are your partner. Now let's join your host, Dave Thompson, as he talks with yet another influencer in the cleaning industry here on Beyond Clean with Jim. Good morning, everyone. This is Dave Thompson. I am your host here at Beyond Clean with Ace. A podcast where the cleaning industry talks, but we talk about sometimes almost everything but cleaning. I don't know how it works that way, but just the difference in the guests that come on and those that want to listen, ask questions, and we try to find an answer. And you know what, more, than, more often than not this year, it's not been about cleaning, which is exactly the reason we title the show Beyond Clean, so we can talk about virtually anything. And it's the first Monday of the month of November. I can't believe the whole year is almost gone already. Sean DeVore, can you believe that we're already in November? And I saw Christmas decorations.
1: Yeah, it's like Halloween even just flew by. It was here and gone.
0: Oh, gosh, I forgot about Halloween. And there's something in there. I was at the butcher this weekend, and he said... I've already sold all of my turkeys. And I'm like, I had to think for a minute.
1: Yeah, I think everybody's very excited this year about getting back together with family and uh, being able to spend time with their loved ones and also um, just being able to get out of the house and go where they want to go. And I, I, I'm hoping that that's going to make for a great start to the new year as well.
0: Well, since the last time we talked, um, you know, we, in September... Uh, We did some uh, stuff together. Uh, October, I got to travel up to Missouri and take care of uh, the plant managers up there. You know, it's kind of, and and to your point, Sean, it seems like everybody I talk to, what's on their agenda for next year is travel.
1: I've definitely increased my travel for next year. Uh, I've already planning on, you know, going to the different cities I go to more often.
0: No, no, I was talking about further travel than your local city.
1: <laughs> you mean like getting in an airplane and going to Timbuktu?
0: Uh, yeah, I, I got I got one person that you know they're they're going to uh, uh, what was it Italy and Spain and and you uh, know I'm like holy cow yeah there you go uh, 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 Mickey who's going to be on the podcast later this afternoon uh, she's going to uh, Las Vegas in December. But it's not. It's not for folks. Folks, if you're listening to the podcast, you'll have to go back and listen to one of the ones with Mickey Anderson, um, because it's not for going to the gambling that you would think.
1: What are they going out there for?
0: Ah, but well, you got to listen to the podcast. To find that out. Oh, right?
1: is that what it is? So we yeah, intrigue people to listen to the podcast. I've got a customer that's leaving tomorrow uh, to go to um, Hawaii. So uh-huh. he's gonna be him and his fiance. he's actually getting married in Hawaii. So he's leaving tomorrow, be out there for two weeks.
0: And you didn't get invited.
1: Uh, which is fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even gonna go there, folks. It's yeah. a family show. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, you know, the thing is, is it it is travel. Matter of fact, uh as you say that. Uh, I've got an uh, on-site class this afternoon uh, with one of our students here from the Academy. We're going to go out and do some, uh, well, if you will, some skills training on what they learned in class. And it, it's going to be great to be able to go back out into what I call the public, you know, and actually go on-site and, and work in the buildings and, and, and do some work out there. Uh, but back to what you were just saying. You know, we're getting back out and doing these things and seeing our clients and having that interaction. It's uh boy, you, you just don't realize how much you missed it.
1: Well, as we saw at the Florida School Plant Management Association thing in Orlando, we there was a lot of people moving around there. They were excited to see vendors, excited to be talking to people. And my customer base that I go see every day is they're more welcoming. they I called I had a junior rep traveling with me a couple of weeks ago from Atlanta. He's a trainee that we've hired. And almost every client that I called said, yeah, when do you want to come in? Yes, when do you want to come in? And I was very excited by that because that's not typically the case. You know, we're busy. We can't see you or we have these restrictions for office restrictions. We don't see, we're not seeing reps. Every person I called was, yep, come on in. We'd love to see you.
0: And now, do you think that that was happening before the pandemic, but we just didn't realize it?
1: No, I think there's a complete dis, I think there was a complete, not a disconnect, I was going to say, but a complete connection that was created because of the COVID pandemic. People realized how important personal relationships are. And We've all stepped back and everybody's working from their offices or they're working from home and they're emailing or doing video yard to send emails and video, and uh, into email videos and emails. And then we're also uh, got, have all these new email follow up programs and digital ways to follow up with people. But I think we've actually realized that by having that separation, we've understood now that it's so important for us to see each other. And I think that's changed because people were headed more and more to that digital revolution of not seeing anybody. And now I'm seeing people want to actually see me.
0: And so, you know, the conversations that I've had with uh, a number of people, a number of different states recently, as we go into 23, this is going to actually come out as a blended um, work environment. You know, I was talking with one client, we were talking about, the office of the future and office cleaning and how he was going to have to start changing. And while I was at uh, the plant manager's conferences, um, one of the things I was interested in was listening to the people that actually put the furnishings into the classrooms, into the schools and how much they're changing what they've been doing for the classroom and the work environment of the future.
1: Is it because there's less humans in the space, or is it and that's what's changing, or is it the fact that there's more digital equipment coming into the space?
0: I think it's some of both. It's a it it it's what I don't know any other way to say it, and and people on the podcast might have their version, but I call it blended work environments where um or community work environments where you don't have a designated cubicle and there's 50 of them in a space. You have a work um, station and you use it at certain different times, but it's not your personal space because it's a community space. Uh, you may only be there two days in that space of that week uh, and then somebody else is in there. So the, the work environment and the way that it's structured many people are saying we're going to back to the big open rooms with these little um, workstations. I don't know how, instead of the cubicles.
1: Well, I've, I've definitely seen some of that in a few of the architectural firms. They'll have um, three architects will work Monday and Tuesday, and then a different three will come in on Wednesday and Thursday. And then maybe they'll have, they'll either have Friday where they all can work at home or they'll have a swing day it's, it's, it, there is a few offices doing that.
0: They, they have been always doing it, but I think you what they're telling me from what I'm picking up, this is going to now become more of the wave, as you see, as you just explained, some of the digital stuff coming in and the work flexibility schedules. all of this is going to change those dynamics. So my was thinking, you, know, you and I talk about floors every month. How is that going to change the flooring? situations as we go into that, or has that been a topic of conversation yet?
1: Not yet, but I can see having a larger uh, meeting space in an office and corporate environment where you have a larger conference room with more digital uh, connections, and then the actual workspace where everybody works is going to be smaller because, like you said, they're going to be sharing a desk. So they don't need 15 desks if they've got 15 people. They only need half that. So or maybe even a third of that because there's not as many people coming in every day.
0: Well, you know, one of the conversations I was having with the gentleman was he said, we're actually looking at designing the patterns of the the material, the carpet, the floor, uh, uh, to actually be the kind of the room divider. It's, it's kind of the, the layout, you know, you've, you've seen all of our commercial uh, industrial places where they put the striping on the concrete mm-hmm. to tell you where to go. And he was saying, I can see where we're going to start having the flooring materials. We're going to direct us because we're going to start using those as pathways and identification of where your space is. And I just thought, you know, these conversations are getting to be quite different than we've had before.
1: I did take a uh, large end user to the mill um, several weeks ago, and we visited our LVT manufacturing facility as well as our rubber and our carpet manufacturing in Calhoun. And one of the things that she said, she was the facility director for this end user, uh, they were very interested in our wayfinding LVT. We have where we can Okay, explain that. Print.
0: Come on. Wait, whoa, whoa, hang on. What? what? Your what?
1: So well, wayfinding LVT is a luxury vinyl tile that has been digitally printed to uh, actually have a directional arrow on it or some kind of message on it. So we can print it on a plank an LVP, or we can print it on a square and have stand here or this way to administration or (laughs) this way to emergency room. Um, So we can do all those kinds of things. And she was, she was a medical end user. Okay. They were very interested in the wayfinding uh, because it, Reduces their wall signage. They can just now put see, it I in did, the
0: floor. I I didn't I didn't I hadn't heard that part of the conversation. See, folks, this is why we have a podcast because I was hearing one conversation and here he is at the mill and they're they're already starting to manufacture this.
1: Yeah, we started this. Uh, it was an idea brought forth by our by Whitney Legate, uh, our director, uh, back during COVID about uh, instead of having stickers on the floor. Oh gosh, yeah, you could put. Uh, an actual piece of LVT in the floor that said, stay six feet apart. That's where it started. And then, well, you know,
0: the thing about it is, is, you know, your LV products are, are 3D graphic printed anyway.
1: Well, they're, well, they are right. now they're getting, yeah. Well, they're getting that way. Cause we're, we have a, we've purchased a very expensive 3D printer and we are printing our logos now and then putting the wear layer over it. Whereas before we had to actually do it like a puzzle. We'd take the different colors of a logo, cut them into the shape, the right. eye, or the, if you're doing a, a mascot, you'd have the eye and the headdress or whatever they were wearing was all different pieces. Now yeah, we like can in- print. Lines. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then uh, it was that we'd make the LVT first with the wear layer and everything on it. And then we would uh, cut it out and make it a puzzle. Right. Now we can take a slab, a four foot by four foot slab and digitally print on it. So you're laying, you know, th- by the time we trim it and that kind of stuff, probably a three foot by three foot piece that has several things on it. And then it goes together like a puzzle and then it's just squares. So it makes things so much easier.
0: Why do we have a podcast folks? And why do we talk with Sean every month? Cause we just never know what's happening out there. So now if you were listening to the podcast today, you've just learned something that probably... 99% of the people don't know about it yet?
1: Yeah, it's it's a growing thing, the digital digital printing. There's a couple of my competitors are doing a little bit of it, but um, we're starting to go down a, a path of uh, doing a lot more digital print because that way we control the, the patents on the prints and uh, how they look and how we can change them really quickly. So it, it's really a lot of um, new technology that's coming. It's limited at the moment as far as like doing a you know wood uh wood looks and those kinds of things like that but anything that's a digital image or a PDF we can do that. And then that gets us into the fact where we can actually use Pantone colors. So if we're working with a university, we can actually use their exact Pantone colors.
0: Okay, Sean, so we were talking about the 3D printing and that but you said way fair
1: Wayfinding.
0: Wayfinding. Okay, so wayfinding into the LV, and that can be planks or tiles, and I would imagine sheets and so forth?
1: It, right now it's only uh, the LV LVP planks and also the LVT tiles is all we can print on right now, not on sheet at the moment.
0: Okay, so is there just a limited amount of this wayfinding graphics that can be printed or—
1: so what we're actually doing is we, we're using, you know, LVT is made with, you have your backing material, your interlaying material, and then you have your print film, which is a lot like sunglasses. You can see through it. It's opaque. And it has the pattern of the LVT that you're going to use, and you put your other colors behind that. So what we're doing is we're um, taking the print, we're actually printing the print film. So the only thing we're actually changing in the manufacturing process is we're printing the print film. Um, so we don't change anything in how we put it together. We actually just print the picture on the print film. And then we use that print film in the manufacturing process, same thickness of print film. Everything's the same about it. It just has a picture printed on it.
0: Well, and, and it's kind of like the people at the cake decorating places said, Hey, you know, all we're doing is we're just using a printer to print uh, the, the graphics with the same icing that we always use. So it's no big deal.
1: Right. Exactly. So that's we're just using a different we're using ink uh, that we didn't normally use, uh, but we can match Pantone colors. We can uh, print anything that you can come up with as far as design. And then we can expand that over a large area by the size of what we print on. So um, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool program.
0: So are people putting logos in that yet?
1: Yeah, we've done we've moved a lot of our logo work all over to digital printing right now. We've already done that.
0: Into the LV? Yes.
1: Wow. Cool. Yeah, we've we've already done Uh, that.
0: I think that goes back to what we were talking about. And this is what this gentleman was talking about. He said, the one thing that COVID did is it, he said, and we were talking out of school, and he said, it made us look for options that we never would have explored before. We didn't take the time to stop and look at these things. And he said, well... You know, and I was talking with school nurses and, you know, they're really up in arms about all of the COVID and all of the after effects that they're realizing now. But from his viewpoint, COVID actually gave him the time to look at things. And he said, we're going to be much better off after we get through this and and readjust. Um, Building materials and materials that are going into buildings has changed. And now a lot of people have woke up to that.
1: Yeah, we're still... My main issue that I still deal with right now with with as a result of COVID is uh, mopping on some type of antimicrobial chemical and just leaving it.
0: <laughs> so Sean, I, would... I got to tell you, that one is not going to go away. People have been wanting to mop on anything and leave it. I mean, it's just like you and I talk every time. you know, there are still so many people out there that are mopping on a floor finish. That's intended for VCT and putting it on LV. Um and I, I, a, I every week somebody comes in, can I do it? Yeah, you can. And then at, you'll come back to me with the issues.
1: I was at a brand new hospital uh this past week and uh the we were up on the third floor. The third floor is not even occupied. And I asked the facility person, we're looking, we're there looking at an installation issue because uh, the building had just been turned over to the owner. The space is part of the hospital is occupied, but not all of it. They weren't using everything. And I asked, how are you guys cleaning the floor? And, oh, we have a machine. I said, okay, can I see it? And when we got finished looking at the installation issue, we went down to the ground floor and looked at it. And while we were in the room, it was a nice, uh, probably eight by 12 room, had a floor cleaning machine in there. It was brand new and some pads and some other things. And it had a dispensing machine. And I said, one of the guys what happen to walk in that was one of the employees that was doing the work. And I said, Hey, you run this machine. He goes, Oh yeah, I run it all the time. I said, well, how do you mix the chemical? And he's like, Oh, we just take that hose over there and squirt some in there. I said, do you measure it? Oh no, we just put a little bit in there. We don't put a whole lot. And I said, Oh, okay. And then he left. And then I talked to the facility director and I'm like, this whole floor up here in this entire hospital has a film on it. And that's why it looks the way it does. And he's like, Well, what do you mean? I said, well, some of the reason it has that little sheen to it or that little dirty look to it is because there's soap on the floor. And I said, what I would like to ask is have the cleaning people rinse out their machine first, completely clean it, flush it, put warm, clean water in it and wash the floor. Just rinse it probably three separate times with new water. Really? I said, yeah. They did that and they got a tremendous amount of soap off the floor. The installation issue that they were worried about kind of diminished a little bit because it was a dialot issue because the customer, the the installer had ordered extra material to do a repair in a separate dialot so you could see where we put those, where you put those planks. in. So by putting that little bit of seeing that sheen on it, you even exasperated the problem. So by cleaning it, they realized now. Why was my question in my mind? Why was there? Why were they even putting soap on a floor that was not even occupied yet? There was nobody, no patients, no nurses, no doctors, nobody on that floor. But they're running up and down there, putting soap on the floor.
0: You know, I just posted on our site on the academy, Sean, that we have classes for seasoned pros and novices alike, because you may have updated your chemical, equipment, and supplies, but you haven't updated your knowledge and your learning, which affect the skills and the performance of everything. And that's exactly what you're talking about.
1: And the thing that I always have to remember is I'm a flooring salesperson, but there's also chemical salespeople. And they keep trying to come out with a new better mousetrap to clean floors or to give them some way to sell chemical. And I cur- currently or that's what I'm running into. One of my uh, underlayment manufacturing reps sent me something the other day that they had come out with on how to take care of LVT. It's more costly than floor finish uh-huh. and, and completely unnecessary.
0: Yeah. A- and and it will continue to go because everybody's looking to do something in their and as you change the floor material, they don't want to change anything because they're not selling a 55 gallon drum.
1: That's exactly right. We, I face that a lot in some of my larger hospital medical, uh, customers, because there are some large janitorial companies out there who get these contracts to clean these hospital systems. And, and, and I'm being facetious in some, to a certain amount,
0: but <laughs> careful.
1: It's easy for them to clean the floor with water and use chemical when they need it, but they're using chemical for some reason. I don't, I guess it's the old back to the old thing about making money. They're able to charge the customer for the chemical. I hate to think that that's what's going on. It just, but it does, it just glaring. That is what's going on in these it facilities. makes you
0: suspicious and it makes you question why. and that's exactly what you're doing here on the podcast this morning right and 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 unfortunately, then that has uh, continuing reciprocating effects of these maintenance issues that we fight. Now the thing is, as you said they had a, a machine, and I think you did say they had a chemical dispenser?
1: Yes, they did have a chemical dispenser.
0: So why didn't why isn't somebody teaching the the, the users? You know that you use the chemical dispenser at proportions, uh, and and you know I can remember Sean years ago, and this probably like 25 years ago, whenever I went to chemical proportioners instead of a, a pump out of a drum, and right. I said, "Well, you can't do that. You can't do that. We we're not going to sell enough chemical. You know we got we've got to be able to sell those drums." And I said, "We need to use the chemical properly." And, you know, as a full supplier of goods back in those days, that I supplied everything, I wasn't worried about the chemical because if I helped them with that budget, then they had the money and the uh, ability to then move to better equipment, which gave an overall end result. And I think that goes back to what you're talking about here short sighted versus a long term relationship.
1: It's just, That was one of the things that that end user that I'd taken to the the medical end user that I'd taken to the the plant. Uh, One of her chief complaints that she's now very vigorously overcoming, she's figured out. She has a lot more say than what she thought she did (laughs) when it comes to all aspects of building the building, because she has a contractor telling her that she doesn't have the budget for something. Then she's very, very smart to ask, well, if I didn't have the don't have the budget for it, why did the architect specify it? So if the architect specified something, why are you telling me now there's no budget for it? And why are you telling me that I have to use this VE or this more inexpensive product in place of that? It's not what I want. It's not going to hold up. I'm going to have to deal with it after you're gone. Right. So she's learned that she can say those things in the construction process. What, I, what I'm trying to instill to my clients is you can also say that on the cleaning side. Correct. When you have a large janitorial company come in and say, no, we use Mannington or we use Shaw or we use Mohawk, this is the products we use, and I need you to speak with my vendor who manufactures the floor to learn how to clean it, and this is how we want it cleaned." And that, I think that step is coming. I'm meeting with a, a hospital this uh, next week, and they're considering going from sheet vinyl in the corridors, which they've traditionally always used. And they're moving to L- they want to move to LVT, so they want to learn about it. So this presentation I'm putting together, I've been thinking on it really hard. And I'm starting from the fact that you're using Sheet. You want to go to LVT. These are the things that are you're going to experience that are different. These are the things you've been experiencing. And some of the reasons you're experiencing them is because you go to hard bid every time you use the cheapest labor you can get. Um, so you may want to stay with Sheet because... You're just, you just need to change your labor, but they're asking questions, which is very neat. Uh, they started, this all started a year, over a year ago when they had the reps come in, uh, when they were doing an installation, they had us come in with the underlayment company and walk the job prior to the product going down. Another large uh, hospital system in Jacksonville is doing that now. So they, they've started asking questions and started realizing like my other customer that there's power at the end user level. And they need to, if they want to have these buildings and maintain them for a long time, uh, they need to ask the right questions and they're doing it on the construction phase. What we need to now do is get them to do it on the maintenance phase.
0: And and, and if you've listened to any of our podcast folks, you probably heard the um, podcast that I did with a gentleman at the Missouri conference. Um, an assistant superintendent walked up and said, I want to talk with you, which, hey, somebody that wants to talk on a podcast, that's unusual because usually I'm the one who has to rope somebody. So he had my attention right away. But then he said, "Uh, we're uh, doing a a, a new building with foam walls. And I just like stopped dead in the conversation. I'm like, you're doing what? He goes, yeah, he said, COVID helped me learn a whole lot of things. I'm asking questions I never knew I should have been asking all along and you know, here he's talking about, it's a a wall that's got foam core. It's got concrete on the outside. He said it's more sustainable. It's more readily available. It's less expensive. They can get it done in less time. And I'm thinking, you know, how, wide, how thick is this wall? And you know, here we're going back to this big thick wall but it's all less. And I think to what you're saying here, that is pre-construction, learning that. And then during construction, they're making some changes. And I think that's what I'm I'm looking at all of these things. We're and that's why you and I talk, Sean, is because we're looking ahead of the issues, but it always still comes back to maintenance just is so slow to make the changes that are necessary to stay up with what the, the, the facility surfaces are.
1: Yeah, we had a, I had a job at a school K through 12 school. Uh, I was an FFA future farmers of America room. It gets a ton of abuse. They'd had VCT in there forever. it never been, it hadn't been waxed probably in eight years or longer. And it was just really beat up. So we went back and tore all that out and put a rubber floor in uh, rubber tiles. Uh, Our rubber has a built-in wax in it, so you scrub it, break it in, and that wax comes to the top, to the surface. The more you buff it, the shinier it will get. The teacher called the superintendent of schools and said, I hate this floor. I can't stand it. It is the worst floor I've ever seen in my life. It's just a big open classroom. She'd had it down for about three months, the rubber. So the facility director calls me, who I'm good friends with, and he says, Sean, I got this. Teachers telling me that they're happy. They're unhappy with the floor. They hate it. It's the worst. I said, "Have you cleaned it?" He goes, "She says she's cleaned it." I said, "Well," he says, "I tell you what, I'm going to do." Because he's kind of a forward thinking. He's a really young guy. Um, he thinks a lot ahead. And actually, you met him down at F, FSPMA briefly. But um, so we ended up. I told him how to clean it. How what to go in there and scrub the floor with using a 3M green green pad because it's a smooth surface, warm water, what solution, what pH, all that stuff to do, and then take a high-speed buffer in there and buff it afterwards. He said the floor shined up like a brand-new penny. It looks beautiful. <laughs> Come to find out, she had heard from somebody, who knows who, it wasn't me, it wasn't the facility director, that you're not allowed to put water on that floor. So all they'd been doing is sweeping it and walking on it.
0: Oh, my so
1: the maintenance people were not doing anything but vacuuming or sweeping. They're actually just sweeping the floor.
0: Yeah, so and, and, and th- this, this is exactly what I tell people all the time. You know, when they come into class here at the academy, it's like, well, we've been cleaning. And I said, well, what? And, and I, the people I'm working with this afternoon, uh, they've been cleaning homes and they're now moving into commercial cleaning, which is where you and I talk about commercial buildings. And she's having to learn a whole different thing. I said, because, you know, what you do in your own home environment is your business. What you do in a commercial environment is totally different. And just because you clean your oven with vinegar and water doesn't mean you clean commercially with vinegar and water. Uh, it, it's going to have effects. It's, you, you, so I think, and, and we were talking with the school nurses at another podcast we were talking about some of the same thing. You don't do what you do at home and bring it into the classroom. Um, the internet is great. But all of those little hacks for home do not apply commercially.
1: No. I. One of the things that I'd learned from you early on was about dwell time. And that's the big thing that people do in their homes is they spray something on the cabinet, the countertop, and then they wipe it right off.
0: Or so oh, and has, and then leave the residue there for us to put our sandwich on.
1: Right, it has no time to dwell and kill whatever it's supposed to kill, and then you don't rinse it off either. So, it's you're just moving it around in circles. Yep. So it, there's, like I said about chemical salespeople, there's also people that that they they do illuminate back and forth from residential to commercial, and they try to bring those things, you know. Um, I, I have actually had customers call me and say, Hey, this LVT that we are LVP. We have in the classroom. can we can just use vinegar on it. Right. Uh Oh, you know, like, no, you don't use vinegar on it. It's not, well, that's what I do at home. It's exact. I've heard that exact argument that you said.
0: Yeah. Because the local store that sold them their stuff for home isn't going to care about that and isn't going to try to persuade them to do something different. And they've read it on the internet through a Facebook post or whatever. Um, You know, and this is a battle that you and I fight every month. We talk about the same thing, Sean, every month in some way or another. And what's interesting is the more conversations I have with people, it's like just rinse, folks, rinse. I I I I don't know how to yeah you know, I I think I I've been thinking about putting up a sign here at the academy before everybody walks in the door just rinse,
1: just rinse, get you some t-shirts made
0: <laughs> I mean you, you know it, but but it, so much of the maintenance problems that you and I deal with Sean starts there
1: Oh definitely it's it's uh, mop it and leave it that these ORs I have I have these discussions with these uh, nurse directors about the ORs and they're like, well, we have to mop this chemical on and leave it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I understand that. You let it dwell until it does what it's going to do. And then you rinse it out because the problem you're having those dark lines and spaces that you have in the OR are from residue. So when someone walks in here with their booties on that, they've put on and walked across the corridor They're depositing that, what they got out of the corridor into that stuff. And I got down with my pocket knife one day and was cleaning one of the areas on an epoxy floor and popping some of that black goo up. She's, oh, I wouldn't do that. And I'm like, why? She's like, that's gross. I'm like, yes, that's why Uh I'm here. And would you (laughs) want to have surgery in this room and have your body cavity opened with this stuff on the floor? Well, no. I'm like, well, that. why don't you listen to what I'm asking you to do? Uh, this is what you need to do in order to eliminate this problem. I think I don't think you necessarily need a new floor. You need a new maintenance program.
0: Folks, if you listen to our podcast on a regular basis, uh, earlier this summer, I had the opportunity to go out to a customer uh, on site. They had an LV floor, um, big uh, multipurpose room at an elementary school and, uh, Sean, they had been putting floor finish on it for eight years. You might remember the podcast where they wanted to find out why the floor looked the way it did. And I just took some, uh, correct product that we have here, uh, that we developed for removing these issues, sprayed it on the floor, let it sit in the well for a few minutes, uh, simply took a microfiber rag and started wiping it until I found, uh, that I removed everything and said, here's your, LV floor, uh, this is what you're going to have to do to get it back. And they go, well, we can't afford all that time. We can't afford to be shut down. We can't afford that. Can't you just clean it, put more finish on it. You know, sometimes you can, you know, as my, my stepdad said, you can lead that horse to the water,
1: but you can't make him
0: drink. And there's where you and I still have a job and we always will.
1: Yeah, I think that was one of the big things about these hospitals that are starting to ask is um, we're having these pre-construction meetings. I was on one last week uh, for a large end user in a healthcare rehab center in Jacksonville, and they're doing a multi-floor uh, redo of of the hospital. So they're if you can imagine a hospital that has six rooms on each side, they're doing that hallway several phases so they're having to uh remove the existing flooring level it and then install floor and then they close that off and move to the next phase even in one corridor end user was not happy about how the underlayment was looking because it was wavy Ooh. and i explained to her that you're the installer is trying to go back to an unknown variable he doesn't know where his level was on the other side of that curtain wall To where when he puts these two floors together and you're seeing that cold pour, you're seeing that. So through a meeting, we were able to convince the end user to then in turn tell the general contractor that you need to rip up the entire floor at one time and let the installer go in and either self-level or put underlayment on the entire floor so he gets a consistent pour. Correct. Let the customer, let the construction, because it's light construction, it's not heavy construction, let the contractors walk on the underlayment until they get ready to install. Then they can install the floor in a different phases, do a light sand on it, do a skim coat, and then install the LVP. And then you don't get that transition from place to place. And one of the things I brought up in that meeting was what we're talking about is the finished product. The things behind the wall, this you know, this even the ceiling tiles are not noticed as much as what the floor is. So let's make some uh, concessions with the G C because G C is like that's not gonna fit my time frame, that's gonna take an extra two days. I like, and I'd looked at the G C and politely said, That two days is gotta last 20 years. And the end user is like, He's exactly right. We keep these floors for 20 or 25 years. So to add two days to your construction schedule. We may need to negotiate something on the contract, but we need to have those two days.
0: And I and I think that's where, back to the conversation we've been having here this this morning, Sean, um, is, I think there's a lot of people asking questions that before we just we just went and did, because now we're learning the the difference. And I think this is when we talk about this switching from. Uh, carpet and VCT to the luxury vinyl products. These are the conversations that will continue to happen. Thankfully, more people are asking questions. Tomorrow I have an LV class here and have two students that have signed up because they're thinking of adding to their repertoire of services. And they're saying, well, what should I add? And I said, you know, if you know, only for the reason that 70% of the new floors that are going down commercially are LV. And if you're the pro at that, then you're the one maintaining it the right way. You have two revenue streams, as I see it re- reworking what other people have screwed up and bringing it back to where it should be. And then the other is what you talk about, and you fight all the time is how to keep it going from the day it was installed the correct way. Um, if I were a contractor in the service industry, I can tell you that is the floor material that I would be focusing on, not how to strip VCT.
1: That hospital that I'm meeting with next week, my initial meeting with the facility designer, I brought in some LV, some sheet product, some rubber, and some carpet tile, kind of to do a little presentation because she hadn't seen Mannington in a while. And I put it all in front of her, and the first thing she did when she walked in, she goes, that carpet looks nice, but we don't use carpet in the hospital at all, anywhere, anymore. It's gone. Right. Not in the administration, nowhere.
0: And you're finding that more and more places?
1: Yeah, more and more places are going hard surface everywhere.
0: And it doesn't really matter what industry we're in. Commercially, that's just the way it's going.
1: Yeah, it's swung that way for sure. I mean, we we're getting conference rooms um, and some corporate spaces still. You know where there's like we talked about when we first started today, those places are carpet tile. But um, most of the classrooms in the major universities are LVT or LVP and um, we're having to come up with new ways to do stair nosings or nosings on the, you know, the steps and classrooms and different ways to transition because these are all new areas that we're putting LV. They're completely different.
0: Folks, if you're listening to this podcast, we're recording here in November of 22. We have here, our sponsor is Gem Supply uh, here in Florida, and they're having four cleaning festivals starting in February through April of 23. Now, Sean, the reason I bring this up is that um, we're also having the Rockstar Talks. You're going to be a guest speaker, a keynote speaker at one of those in Ocala. But uh, the Lakeland location that we've rented, their big room in this building that's a little over a year old, they went with ceramic tiles uh, that are actually planks, I guess, uh, but ceramic planks. And you know the gentleman was like, well, I, we need an auto scrubber. We're just gonna keep using the disc uh, auto scrubber. We're just gonna order another one of those. I go, why? Well, that's what we've always used. I said, but this isn't the same floor. Well, yeah, but it worked on that. Will it work on that? I go, it's not the question of will it work. The question is, is it the right machine? Does it do the best? Why did you change from wood to ceramic with a wood look. Well, because of the wood, we had this, and we had to resurface, and we had problems with the contractor, and he kept going on and go. Now, you made that change in the flooring material, which is what you talk about, Sean. Mm -hmm. They went to ceramic, which is, you know, uh, uh, kudos to him. Took a lot of money to install it and put it down, but it'll be there forever. I said, but cylindrical is the way to clean that. It's got grooves. It's got grout. You don't want to leave a film. Well, nobody ever said anything about that. We were just going to order the same thing we've been doing. And I think that's where you and I have that challenge, but the opportunity to bring forth this proper knowledge. And this is why we have the podcast, folks, is so that we can help you with the knowledge here. If you've never heard of rinsing the floor with an auto scrubber and using cylindrical, you have now.
1: Yeah, that's, the cylindrical brushes make a huge difference. They get right down into everything, and they it's just a, it's a phenomenal difference.
0: Yeah, I mean, it gets into any floor surface, and so it doesn't matter what type of hard floor we're talking about, what resilient floor, uh, whether it be stone ceramic, LV, uh, the planks, the, the, the rubber even. Uh, we were at another uh, place that had LV in one area and had rubber in another area. And unfortunately, what had somebody done? Put finish on all of it. you know. And now here, four years later, all of it's dark and looks nasty, and it didn't take long with a cylindrical machine to just take it all off because, folks, you know, the floor finish doesn't impregnate itself into the rubber or the LV. It just sits on top, and it comes off very easily. Um, Sean, I appreciate the fact that you keep coming back month after month and I can now say year after year.
1: Yep. It's been fun. I've learned a lot about being more comfortable talking uh, on a podcast. This has been a little bit of a challenge for me this morning because the people don't see it, but we're looking at each other right now. Uh, we hope to – I was thinking while we were doing this that maybe next time if or the time after, I'll be able to share a screen and maybe a photograph of an installation or something like that. Yeah. I was thinking about maybe taking our podcast to the next level. So being able to watch myself talk and watch you talk um, has been a little different this morning. Uh, So
0: folks, what we're talking about here is usually we do this podcast and we record it only on an audio, uh, but what we're doing is we're changing. And so we're going to tell you the backstory since you brought it up, Sean, is that uh, we've been making some adjustments and what we've been doing this year, trying different things and Streamyard. Uh, is the program that we've been uh, testing with instead of uh, Zoom. And what we're doing now is we're recording this on StreamYard, and it gives us the ability to do a whole lot of more things. And so what Sean's talking about uh, this morning is that probably next month or maybe even one for January the first of the year is uh, we'll be recording these and we'll be putting it out on just the uh, audio podcast, But if you go to the Academy's YouTube channel, and since we're mentioning that's hashtag Academy of Clean, you can go to that and you can see all of the podcasts because unlike some of the podcasts that you might see, we're not in the same room. We're actually in different areas of Florida, but what StreamYard is doing is allowing us to do this. But Sean, what you're talking about here is we've learned digital, we're comfortable with it now, um, thanks for sticking with us and helping make a, a different program. And now, folks, know what's coming for you and podcast in 23.
1: Yep, and I'm looking forward to the uh, the uh, cleaning festival in Ocala and talk and speaking there. I've re- been refining what I'm talking about, so I think I'm looking forward to that.
0: So, folks, if you're uh, listening to this, um, uh, today. You can go to cleaningfestival.com. You can find out uh, when the festivals are here in Florida. You can learn about all of the keynote speakers. There's gonna be show specials. I'll be talking some on some different commercial floor care hacks. Um, And I I know I said hacks earlier, Sean, but I also said commercial ones. There's tricks of the trade. So I'm gonna unload a few of those at the conferences. yeah, you know, I, I think this is the great thing. We've been working on this for probably well almost all year, trying to put these together to go back to, and hopefully uh, here in 23 we'll have a lot of. I know, uh, uh, folks, we're you know it's uh, November. I think we've got probably somewhere close to 400 people registered for the four different shows already. So uh, we're looking for a, a good time here in Florida.
1: Good. I look forward to it. Hopefully, it'll be a good time.
0: So, uh, you know, I thought about something else that I hadn't asked you lately. Uh, How's the truck coming?
1: The okay, so the white truck, um, we determined that the first gentleman that I'd had doing the motor work had uh, misdiagnosed the uh, type of block it was. And so we found out that it's actually a 390 big block that was bored 30 over. So, we're that truck should be finished, the motor back in it by December and that's gonna have a 447 big block stroker motor in it.
0: So it's gonna be about 450 horsepower. That one's- So so you're not gonna be driving it to Orlando to show me?
1: No, it'll get about eight miles to the gallon, (laughs) if I'm lucky. (laughs) Um, Now the other-
0: You're not gonna be driving that a lot of places.
1: No, and the other truck, um, the gentleman's got it painted, he's got the cab painted, the front clip and the bed's painted, He's got the, f- the frame shot and undercoated and they're getting ready to set the cab on the frame. And, um, I've got the motor for that truck here at my house. As soon as the gentleman that's building that finishes the big block, I'm going to take the small block to him and have him build that one. So we're hopefully by January, I'm hoping and praying that by January, I'll have both trucks back.
0: Folks. Why did I ask this question? Because like I said, this podcast is beyond clean. We do more than clean floors and talk floors all day long. Although our wives probably don't think we do much more than that. <laughs> um, and, and what you don't know, uh, because I didn't hear him today is, you know, Sean's also a. do <clears throat> I, I, I don't wanna say a hobby rancher, but I, I, I don't know how we would actually, say, you're, you're probably somewhere in between.
1: I would we would call our place a hobby farm but uh, we're now up to about 85 chickens so I would call myself a a, a small chicken farmer
0: yeah I was gonna I was gonna say yeah, yeah I didn't hear them today but you know that that uh, you know usually a har, har, harby, hobby farmer only has like a dozen or so and I think you're well over that
1: yeah we are that's uh, my wife like I think my wife hatched out 32 biddies this year so uh, we've had quite a quite a an addition to the group. Of course, some of them have um, been used for other sources because they're you get fifty percent roosters and fifty percent hens, so you can't have all those roosters. So yeah, but they sure
0: to. make good eating.
1: They do. They make good chicken curry, as my boss always says.
0: <laughs> uh, any uh, parting words uh, before we go for the day?
1: No, I would just like to you know make sure you reach out to your um, manufacturer's rep if you're listening to this. If you're an end user. Um, It's just like if we talk about trucks, it's just like you have a vehicle now. Um, It runs a certain type of oil. It runs a certain type of hydraulic fluid. um, If it's a piece of equipment, it runs a certain type of transmission fluid. And you can't cross over those for manufacturers. So if you're cleaning a floor, it behooves you to find out who makes the floor, what it's made out of, what it is. And there are clear maintenance directions that you can have that's on everybody's website. Every manufacturer has that. Ask those questions before you start cleaning. Just don't assume. That would be my parting words.
0: And the one that may or may not be there, folks, because I don't know all of them, is rinse, rinse, rinse. And when you have a problem, rinse it again.
1: Rinse first.
0: Sean, thanks for your time, folks. If you uh, like our podcast, please share it. This is what it's all about. Without sharing, people don't hear this information. This is why we do this every month, Sean so that people get the information they need. All they have to do is go to academyofcleaning.com. They can find the podcast. Our sponsor is Jim Supply. You'll find them at gemsupply.net. You'll also find the podcast there. Beyondcleanwithace.com is where the podcast is housed. Also check out our YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, Oh, gosh, I'm sure I missed one of them, Sean. But, you know, they're all out there. We'll have them in the show notes for you. Uh, And, uh, you know, maybe, folks, next month, you'll actually get to see Sean as we record a podcast. Don't know. Stay tuned. Till we see you again, folks, make sure that you keep your journey healthy, positive, and proactive. See you on the air, folks. Bye. See you, Dave.